voice. And um, for those maybe who have missed the, the, you know, you're gone for the holidays and maybe haven't seen this coming or whatever it's about, let me give you a little explanation. One voice is um, all of the churches, the evangelical churches, all of the churches in the community who believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God, we use that as our standard of, of faith and practice, and all of those churches that believe that Jesus really is God the Son, that he died on the cross, that he rose again, that, he is, that a person is saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, all of them, those churches, uh, which are seven of us, have decided that we're coming together and uh, we're going to uh, wage peace on this community. Uh, we've seen in the schools where it began with, we saw a lot of the students are really struggling right now with, uh, with the depression, suicidal thoughts, uh, um, there's just been a lot of, of uh, just a whole hardship in, in the school's anxiety. Uh, parents of students, a lot of the faculty were noticing, a lot of the parents were going through difficult things, uh, divorce, depression, all that kind of stuff is happening there. A lot of the teachers uh, as well, I mean, dealing with a lot of the heaviness from last year and all this kind of stuff, they're feeling um, kind of stretched. And, uh, and so we want to support our school. The, stu- the school is doing a great job um, really addressing that as well from a secular perspective. But we're going to come in and bring the part that they can't, and that's uh, the spiritual part. And uh, we're going to, to support our parents, our students, our teachers, along with, we know that, that uh, students aren't the only ones in our community that are struggling and suffering. And God has the answer. And so what we've done as the, the body of Christ, and that's just part of all the churches, which we get together and we pray every week for one another, for one another, and with one another, He said, you know, we're going to, uh, we need to see what God wants to do with this. And we felt very strongly that he said, you know, you need to work together as a body of Christ to bring his light into this community, which has been just under the length of darkness for too long. And so that's what we're doing. I get to, this is the first week of that. Uh, the last two weeks we've been preparing for this, fasting and praying. We've, we've done the groundwork, and now we get to go and do this. And this is not a series that just ends in, in what, uh, seven weeks from now, right? Because it's this week, and there's five weeks where all the other pastors will be here. I'll be here one of those. And then, then we're all going to get together and worship it. That is not the end of the series. This is a beginning point, a starting off point. As we as the body of Christ, going into our community with hope and with love and with power to care for the people that we live by. Isn't that a great thing? That's what it's about. So one voice. We're speaking together as one voice, but really the one voice needs to start with, with God. We need to speak with his voice, his authority. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, the passage that the pastors chose to, to uh, as we got together, it was a lot of fun. Uh, what a blast to do a Bible study with the other pastors in our community and to see how crazy they are and how they think and approach stuff. And uh, we all are so different, yet we have the same word, and so we can come back to it. We had all these different verses where we, we looked in and said, you know, is this what God is saying to us? And we got to Exodus 3, and it was just like, yes, this is it. And... Um, and it says, I've heard the cry of my people. And that's kind of our theme as we see that God has heard the cry and he does something. In fact, we're going to talk about Exodus 3 today, uh, which is a lot of fun. Of course, uh, um, before we do that, we want to have our, our memory verse. And this, I think, sums up the real heart of behind it. God didn't just hear us. He's going to do something with us. So we're going to start to memorize this today. But I would like you as the... I'm going to be gone for the next few weeks. We're going to have memory verses, but they'll be much shorter because we'll have guest pastors and I don't want to freak them out. Um, <laughs> so I want you guys to really think about what this has to say. What's it saying and, and how does it apply to us? And um, so let me set up the, the, uh, the context for you. Uh, the people of God, uh, Israel, 
are in Egypt at this time. And they've been in Egypt for hundreds of years, several hundred of those years, um, as slaves and uh, faced horrible mistreatment. Their deliverer has come. Moses was born. In fact, he was this miraculous thing. He was supposed to be murdered, but he wasn't. And then he floats down the river, and this little basket his mom makes, and gets picked up by the Pharaoh's daughter, and, and is raised in the royal household. I mean, everything looks like God's plan is clicking. And then he makes a bad choice, and he murders somebody, and Moses has to flee. And now he's been gone. The deliverer is gone for 40 years, watching sheep on a foreign mountain. And then God shows up. And God, in today's passage, we'll even get into this. And God talks to him in this, this amazing vision of this burning bush. Actually, it was a, it was a, a real bush that was burning, but didn't burn. Amazing things. And God talks to him. And in the midst of that conversation, God says this to, to Moses. As he says, how am I going to do this? Because God's sending him back to the people. God answers, I will be with you. And this is your sign, and I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very what an amazing thing. God's so practical, isn't he? He's like, this is how you're going to know that was from me. This is what's going to happen. And I thought, well, how apropos. We happen to be on a very mountain. Right? And you know what? God has sent us into our community. And he said that I am with you and I will never leave. In fact, he said he's with you to the very end of the age. And he told us to make disciples of all the people, right? And I think that's an amazing thing. How do we know that this is going to be a work of God and not a work of the church? Every church will grow. The community of Estes Park will worship God in this very place. That's how we know. And that's going to be an exciting thing, isn't it? That's going to be an exciting thing. So let's get started. How does it all begin? Well, oh, I had this. I forgot to make you memorize that part. It's okay. You don't have to. Second service. This early, early had a quarter cup of coffee. You know, whatever. This is how it begins, right? We started with fasting and prayer, but, but the power to, to succeed in bringing the light of the gospel to our community does not, rock, does not rest in our fasting and our prayer. It rests in God, right? We have to understand that there is a God here that has this. That's why we can be confident of, of our mission. That's why we don't have to freak out. It's because God has it. In fact, I like how Hal put it. He says, the eye has it. And we're going to go into this passage, how God reveals himself. Uh, but what we see here at the heart of this is that God is a God of healing and of hope and of life and of love. We are in a community right now that is in brokenness. Right? We see families broken, people broken, spirits broken. But God is a God of healing. And one of the evidences that God is working in our community is we're going to see our community go from a place of brokenness to a place of healing. We're going to see our, our community go from a place of despair to, to a community that is that is recognized by hope. Because we have a God that gives us great hope. We're going to see that our God is a God of encouragement. In fact, that's the message that I get to preach to all the churches. That's so fun. And encouragement deals with courage. And God is the one who takes us and gives us courage and takes us out of a place of despair. We'll see that God is a God of light in our community in a place of spiritual darkness. For far too long. But you see that light and, and and what it reveals and the hope and the purity and the righteousness that comes from that are going to be evidence of God's work here. And God is a God of freedom, isn't he? What was the passage last week? Didn't we talk about something fast that God wants us to? The very last part of that? To break the chains, right? <laughs> that bind people. Isn't that an amazing thing? That our God is a God of freedom. 
And we see so many in our community that are stuck in the bonds of, of anxiety, of, of depression, of addiction, right? along with all the other things that get us in, in the Christian and actually the United States. They're the things that hold us down, that, that bond us to, to this world. We get so entangled with the things of this life that we get so worried about, what am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? What am I going to wear? People are going to like me. All these types of things that most people spend their whole life chasing after these with so much stress and anxiety from that, we die of heart attacks. It's a horrible thing. God is a God of freedom. We're going to see through this period of time, that's what we're going to be praying for, that's what we're going to be working for, that's going to be the evidence that we're working with God is that we're going to see brokenness turn to healing, despair to hope, depression to encouragement, darkness to light, and heaviness to peace. In fact, it's not the first time that God has done this. When we go back to Exodus 3, and if you have your Bible, and if you don't, then I'll just, I'll just read it for you. It's an amazing thing. Exodus 3.1, we see a nation that was in all of those things, wasn't it? Talk about bondage. Did they have bondage? Yeah, they had real people whipping on the backs, making them do stuff making mud bricks out of barely anything, right? And doing horrible stuff to them. We see heaviness and darkness over the people. They didn't even know who their God was. In fact, when Moses, the deliverer, the lawgiver, says, when I go back and, and tell them that your God is sent you, they're going to say, who is that? They talk about darkness and despair. When you're a people that's been held in slavery for hundreds of years, generations and generations, it's easy to despair. But we see how, at the right time, God reversed all of those things. And he brought hope and healing and joy. In uh, Exodus 3, well, I'm just going to read this for you. I set up the, the path. I already gave you the, the background for it. So this is what happened. It says, one day Moses was tending the flock with his father-in-law, Jethro, uh, he was a priest of Midian. And he led the flocks far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. And there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. And Moses stared in amazement. And though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. And this is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see. Well, of course he did. And then... The Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, and God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, that's my God voice, <laughs> Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied, do not come any closer, the Lord warned, take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, when Moses heard this, he covered his face, because he was afraid to look at God, but the Lord told him. I have certainly seen the oppression of my people, Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile, spacious land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. A land of the Canaanites and Hittites and Amorites and Hezerites and, and Hivites and Jezebites, where they now live. So look. The cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians have abused them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh, and you must lead my people out of Egypt. But Moses protested, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? And God answered, I will be with you. 
And this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this very mountain. Moses protested. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what's his name? Then what should I tell them? And God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. Now we see in that passage, there's just so much. The first thing I want you to miss on this is the character of God. God reveals his character even in his own name. And one of the parts of his character he shows is that he's a covenant-keeping God. He keeps his word, doesn't he? The very first way that, that, uh, that he reveals himself to him is he says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I that's an amazing thing. All right? Because he was God before that, right? There's something amazing. He's not just the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? I mean, he's, he's the God of angels. He's the God of all creation. But he reveals himself to Moses in this way for a very important thing. He said, I'm keeping my word. God made a covenant with Abraham finite man who is certainly not perfect. Right? But God keeps his covenant. And God saw the people of Israel and said, I'm going to keep my covenant. I'm going to give you the land I have promised. God keeps his word. That's important for us to understand because our God is not a capricious God. In fact, you have the capacity to do things that God cannot do. You can lie. You can cheat. Right? You can deceive others. You can break your own word, but God cannot do those things because he is righteous. It's his own character, his own nature, limits him in an amazing way, a powerful way, a way that allows us to trust him. And God shows him that, so we need to look at God when we see his covenant. God says, I'm going to do something. I studied for 400 years, the Israelites could look at God and said, you're not keeping your word, right? Because it didn't look like it, but God is eternal and God always keeps his word. And that's why that song we sang that goes back to the, to the prophet that said, you know, that, the, that strength comes to those who wait upon the Lord. They will rise up on wings like eagles. I think something else we see in this is that the character of God is God doesn't abandon his people. Does God, other than what he made, he made a covenant with Abraham. Does God really owe us anything? Not really. I mean, other than what he said he's going to do for us, that's really the only thing. It's not that we've ever done something for God to earn anything, other than his wrath. But God loves his people, and he doesn't abandon them. Right? He didn't just say, well, people of Egypt, you know, the, the, the slaves who were in Egypt clearly were not being completely faithful. They didn't even know the name of their God. When Moses was going to go back to them and say, the God of your ancestors has a message for you, he knew that they were going to say, who's that? It wasn't like the people in Egypt, the, the slaves in Egypt, who were being really righteous and were just holding on to the faith. But God was holding on to them. And that's important for us to understand that God does not hold us because we deserve it. He holds us because he loves us. And God always, always takes care of his people. That's what he does. Another thing that we see in God's character is this, is that God doesn't fail. Were, were the people of Egypt set free? Yeah, yeah. Every every single one of the Israelites came out. I think that's an awesome thing. 
In fact, there was the strongest military known to man at the time in Egypt. Amazing chariots. They had all kinds of weapons and stuff. They had metals that were far superior to the most of the peoples around them. They had some of the fastest war horses. They had some of the best generals. They did not mess with Egypt. And God let the slaves walk out. God doesn't fail. You're saying God says, I am that I am. He's self-existing. He doesn't rely upon anyone. He's not like, I'm, he's not like I am God, the son of Thor. Right? He is that he is. He just exists. He doesn't rely upon anyone. And he doesn't fail. He doesn't run out. God sets his mind to something, his heart to something, his word to something. It happens. That's why when there wasn't anything except for chaos, at the very beginning, and God said, let there be light, there was light. When he said it, it happens. You see, that's an amazing thing with the character of God. It gives us confidence that God can do what he sets his heart out to do. Not as though we have some regional God, which most people in the history of the world have believed in. Some regional God that is going to bless them in that area and maybe then allow them to take advance into another area. And then their God is going to have to do battle against a different people and their God. And if our God is stronger, well then maybe we'll win. It's not like that. It's not a fair fight. Right? God is eternal. He keeps his word. He's not reliant upon anybody. He doesn't abandon his people. He never fails. And that lets us know something powerful about Esther's part. God is big enough to claim Esther's part. We have to understand that. Let's take that down even a little further. God is big enough he can claim my family. God is big enough that he can claim my own part. Isn't he? I think beyond the character of God, this, this passage also shows us something. I want you to miss the cry of the people. This world is broken. I think it's so amazing that so much oftentimes in the world, when we suffer, we cling to the world and we criticize God. God's not broken. This world. When bad things happen, Jesus said, expect it. You broke this world. Bad things are going to happen. But I won't abandon it. I've overcome it. That's where we get our peace. But suffering is real. And, and God didn't chastise Moses nor the people for suffering, for crying. In fact, he said, I have heard their cry. He hears the cry of his people. He says, so I have come down to rescue them from the power of, of their oppressors. See, God hears it. In fact, verse 7 says, Lord, so I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. He's not unaware and if God sees the oppression of the people in Egypt, he continues to see the oppression of his people all over the world today. See, God's not intimidated by ISIS. He's not intimidated by North Korea. He's not intimidated by a lot of the folks in the media who would like to make it look like what we believe is foolish. He's not intimidated by anybody. He's God. And he sees our suffering. And he understands it. It's, there was a song, it was a really horrible song years ago in the 90s, uh, from a distance. There was a song, I don't know if you remember that. And, and uh, you know, the earth looks so great from a distance, and everything looks so peaceful from a distance. And God's watching us from a distance. He's totally unaware. He's looking. He's just ignorant. He's like the, an old grandfather or whatever, kind of see stuff out there, and just totally detached from the guy. Like, oh, aren't they cute, right, as we're murdering each other down here. And they said, no, God is watching us from a distance. That was supposed to bring us comfort. No, God is not watching us from a distance. God sees very much our suffering. He sees not just the suffering of Egypt in, in its entirety, he understands the suffering of each Israelite. He knows what they've gone through. And he sees us still. 
God is aware. So when we talk to God, it's not as though we're bringing him new information. It's not as though we're crying out to God and saying, God, these things are happening. He's up in heaven doing his other things. And he goes like, what? What do you mean? I turned my back for five minutes. And what, is all this happening? You know? God knows. He sees it. And I think that gives us comfort, doesn't it? You don't have to go to a temple to reveal your suffering to God. He sees what's happening. He's fully aware of what's going on. Not only does he see it, he says he hears their cries. He says, I've seen the oppression in my people Israel. I have heard the cries of their distress. Right? He's in tune to what we're saying. He knows your heart. Not only does he see it and he hear it, he says that he's aware of it. He says, I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. You see these three things that God said, I've seen it, I've heard it, I'm very much aware. And God was never distant from his people, though they were allowed to suffer for a time. And if you look at what God allowed them to suffer, hasn't that been a defining moment for Israel? Right? That period of time that they were allowed to be in slavery to also show us that we're all in slavery to sin, and then God sets them free from the impossible. Hasn't that been even still today? Even for the Jewish community, they rally around this and they say, he set us free. This is an amazing thing. Even when it looked like God was gone and distant, God was very much at work doing something far greater than people ever could have understood. God sees, he hears, he's aware, but you know what? God is also motivated to action. That's why that verse 8, this is so great. He says, so I've seen, I've heard, I'm aware. He says this, so I've come down to rescue them. Our God cares. He hears the cry of the people, and that's why we chose that passage as an Estes Park. We see a community right now that is very aware of its brokenness and its burden and its darkness and its hopelessness. God hears us. And not only does he hear us, he's not like, oh, whatever. He doesn't ignore us. He's a God that saves us. I think the third thing that we see from this passage is that God calls Moses. Right? We, we, we missed the calling of Moses in this passage. I think we've not read it right now. But it says here that, uh, he says, now go. God says, I see, I hear, I'm aware, I'm going to go and save them. How is he going to do that? It says, to this fugitive shepherd, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people out of Egypt. There's a call to a man. Now Moses could have said no. In fact, he tried to several times, didn't he? It says Moses protested. You see that two times. First time he says, who am I to, to do this? Right? Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? And how did God answer him? I am with you. That's why you can go. Right? And the second time he protests, he said, but the people aren't going to know who you are. Who should I tell them sent me? And God said, I am that I am. And you can tell them I'm the God of their forefathers, and I'm coming to take them bring them back. See, God sends Moses into a skeptical and suffering community. And he sends Moses into that community with a message of hope and freedom, which is a powerful thing. And then, 2,000 years later, Jesus came. And he raises the disciples, and he gives them the commission, and he says, now go. I'm sending you. And the disciples are like, oh, right. And he says, don't go until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Then you'll receive power. Then you're going to go and to be my witnesses and, and, and spread the gospel, starting in your own hometown, Jerusalem, and then the region, Judea, <coughs> Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. He said, I'm with you, but it doesn't have to come in, even to the end of the age. He 
is that he begins with go. And he gives us a promise just like he did with Moses. Because I'm with you. That's how we know we're going to do it. So we receive the same call. You get that. For thousands of years, Moses was the only one who had the call. And then for 2,000 years, you and I have the call. That's, that should give you like shivers, right? There's like thousands of Moseses, millions of us, billions of us throughout the world. God says, set the people free, and I'm with you. Look at what God did with one Moses. Is there enough in this community to set the people free? We protest, but we say, who am I? Right? Who am I? I, I've messed up. I'm a sinner. I'm not the smartest person ever. Right? I, um, I don't have all the answers. I certainly haven't walked this, this faith walk perfectly. And then we look back to Moses. Murderer. Fugitive. Right? Works for his father-in-law on a nowhere sheep operation. Right? And he frees the people from the biggest, most powerful empire in the world, and not just any people, but slaves. Because it wasn't Moses who set the people free, it's God. It's not your qualifications that give you the calling. It's the presence of God in you. You see that. That's why we're going to lead people to freedom. Not only this, <laughs> Moses was just not just qualified by the call. Moses didn't go alone. We have to remember that. The I has it. The great I am is the one who has this community. One voice is not just a launching point because churches have this great initiative. We're like, well, let's do something to turn the tide. We're going to do this on our own. One voice came about because we started praying and seeking after God because there was brokenness in our community. We said, God, what are you going to do? And God said, go! I'm with you. So do this. Now, we have a choice. Moses could have stood there after all of those things and said, Still not your man. And you know what God would have done? Found somebody else. Right? In fact, we find that out later in another book of the Bible. Esther, right? For such a time as this, right? That wonderful advice, you know, if you don't go and do these things, God will certainly save his people. God's going to do what he's going to do. God's, God's plans are not going to be stalled by our inaction or unfaithfulness. God will do what he's going to do. We're not going to stop God. He's given us an opportunity right now, an invitation, to step with him into a mighty, mighty work. How many of us Christians have prayed over the years for our community? I've said, God, I want to see you work in power in my life, in our community. Have you ever been there? Maybe you were like Moses who probably prayed those same things, right? And he tried to do it in his own way, and it didn't work. And he thought, well, God can't do this. But when God came, and he waited upon the Lord, and God said, now is the he had to go. And Moses did have to go, and it took courage, didn't it? And it didn't always go well, did it? When he first started, it was kind of a, it was pretty messed up. Right? He goes, he tries to help the people, and things get worse, and he's like, oh, right? It took faithfulness, consistency. Just because we're going into the community with love doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but I'll tell you this, victory is assured. <coughs> Freedom is coming. Hope is on the way. Light is going to overcome darkness. Because God has it. You get that? How cool is this? So, as we begin this series, but I take this message and we begin to wrap it up. Everything that we do from this point on, all the other pastors all have, we have one message. We're going to be here next week. Um, I think Hal's going to be here. Um, 
And as he brings the message, we all have these other ones. Everything based upon this. All the other messages that help us make sure that we hear from God and that we get along with his plan. But it all bases on this. Our trust and our hope have to be in God. It has to be his plan. Right? It has to be his work. And we have to stand with him if God is the one that happens. Now, as, uh, as we move into that, then, what are some things we can do to position ourselves to make sure that we're hearing from God? We can be walking with him as his body, right? Obedient to our head, who is Christ, who is moving into our community doing great things. Well, that's some things that can help us. First thing is, that's on the back of your connection card. You can take it out there. It's something that may help you this week. First is, why don't you memorize Exodus 3 12? I think it's so important, so encouraging for us as the body of Christ to see that this is not a new work. It's not like God is doing something here that he's never done before, right? This is how God works. And God shows us how we can see that he's at work. The evidence of God is he's going to do something that we cannot own. We as a church could do a really good job if we did great marketing, all that kind of stuff. We could grow our own body. We would probably grow our own body by stealing Christians from other churches. That's typically how church growth works. That would be a work of us. We don't want that. We want it to be the people of Estes Park worship God in this right now. That's going to be that's going to be something that's going to show us that God is the one that's in this, right? And it also gives us courage that if God is in this, He's calling us to it. That this is going to happen. So it helps us pray. It helps us do the work. It helps us have the courage to go out and, and to following what he's asking us to do. So maybe what you do is you not just memorize Exodus 3.12, but you meditate on Think about what does this mean for me in my life today? Right? How does this affect how I'm living? Think about that. How about this? Maybe, you, maybe you're just going to read. Why don't you read Exodus? Because it's an amazing story of a people being set free, and then uh, all the stuff that happens in there. Right? It's an amazing book. The beginning of the year, it's a big one. I'll grant you that. There's some weird things because it's talking about a different culture and different language stuff that happens. But look at the power of God and his ability to free people. Also look at the human nature, how we resist time and time again. God and how he responds. Amazing book. You want to see God's his commitment to freeing his people? That's a that's a thing that you can see there. You can see God's character and his nature. How about this? Pray for Estes. Why? Because the fasting and praying doesn't stop. It's not like we've just, oh, we've prepared the thing, now we can stop. When do we see in Jesus' ministry where he stopped praying? Never. You know that even now it says in Hebrews that Jesus is actually standing before the Father, interceding on our behalf? That's what we call prayer. But he's standing, talking to God face to face, like the Father right there. And we have it. But he's, he's praying for us. You see, his ministry didn't stop. If Christ continues to see the power of of communication with the Father, I think that we should all maybe follow that too, right? So maybe we pray. Pray for Estes Park. Pray that God will, will, will heal the brokenness in families in Estes Park. Pray for the, for the teacher that they be encouraged. Pray for the families and the students that they'll be free from, uh, set free from depression and, and wrong thoughts. Pray for Estes Park. How about this? Maybe you start to invite a friend. I said earlier, February is the month that we have the most first-time guests who come join to our church for the first time, who eventually are baptized. Right? Maybe somebody out there is just waiting for an invitation. This seems to be a time of year where people are open. And so maybe what you do is you begin by saying, you know what, uh, if you come to our church, in fact, you don't even have to hear our normal pastor. This means somebody different. Right? <laughs> so bring them. 
And by the terms, this is something that's interesting happening. I'll tell you, unity and hope speak loudly to people. Pray for them, but then maybe say, no, I'm going to pray about who I can invite as we go through this thing. Maybe there's something else that you have on there that is some other uh, thing that you need to prayer for that make sure you write that down or something that you're going to do. If you do have a prayer request, let us know. And I will, I'm not going to be gone out of Estes for the next five weeks, by the way. I will be here. So if you come on Friday, I'll be here. I'll pray with you guys. I'll be here on, on Monday through Thursday in my office, so I'm not disappearing, but and I will pray for you every single week, so if you have a prayer request, here's a great thing. Write that down. Or, how about this? Maybe if you're here this morning, and you have never yourself come to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe that's you. And uh, you see the stuff that's happening. Maybe you, this uh, God, is uh, you're here for a reason. Uh, you're, you're seeking peace. Uh, maybe you're, you're you know it's enough, you say, I want to reach out to God. Well, I'll tell you this, that Jesus is not a joke. He's not a story. He's not a fairy tale. He actually came. There's tons of evidence for that. And he actually came. He actually died. He actually lived again. We know what he said. He said, I am your Savior. I am your God. He said, the way to salvation is this. You need to trust him. You need to trust, and that's what we call faith. You trust that he paid the price for your sins, so you don't have to. But you also have to trust that he's God, because he can be the boss of our lives. We have to follow him. Never had a time in your life where you've made that commitment, where you said, you know what? I'm going to trust in Jesus as my Savior. So I'm going to stop trying to be righteous on my own. I don't have to do it, but I want to follow what He has to say because He's God and He knows the best thing. If you've never made that commitment, uh, or you've never failed the time you've been baptized or gone in and been discipled and learned what does it mean to follow Christ, if that's not you, maybe, not maybe, this is the first step. This is how you step out of bondage to freedom. Never made that decision. Mark on your says, I would like more information about our relationship with you. And make sure that I have good contact information. So I'll talk with you. We'll call and I'll answer your question and I'll explain what does it mean to have a relationship. What does it mean to follow Jesus as Lord and Savior? We're not going to just abandon you. We're going to walk alongside you, answer your questions. And, and if that's the decision that you were ready to make, then we'll help you make that walk with you every step of the way. And so uh, make sure you mark that. If there's something else that's on there you need a decision for, certainly let us know. Um, in a couple minutes, we're going to take our offering. And as we take our offering, I want you to take this connection card and to put it into the offering basket. And along with your tithes and offerings, it's just another offering of your, your spirit to part of the offering. So, all right. Well, let's uh, pray. Um, I'm going to tell you, I'm so excited to go and preach at all these other churches. So it's going to be great. But I'm going to really miss you guys. Really miss you. I'll be gone for two weeks. I'll be back another one. That's the only hard part about this whole thing. I was like, so, uh, while well, stopping away, we're going to pray now. Um, and then uh, I would just ask as we're going over this, this series, continue to pray. Pray for me, please, as, as we do that. Pray for our church. Pray for the pastors. They're going, and it is. And we love our people, all of us. And uh, so uh, make sure that you lift them up in prayer as well. And that God will protect and guide them. Uh, pray, pray for our community. And uh, if there's anything else that you have in your heart uh, that you would like to lift in prayer, this is a great time. So let's, uh, let's all go before God in prayer together. Heavenly